Hey, it's the Bradcast, and I'm at the Monroe Comic Con, and I'm here with Alicia Rotaru. Hi. You have seen her in <laughs> Arrow and a new movie with Danny Trejo. And what do you like about coming to these Comic Cons? You know, I was just talking to Jamie about it, who's my handler back here. He was asking, and I said, the best thing for me is meeting everybody. Because you don't really get an opportunity to do that in an environment that's cultivated around the pop culture of what we get to play in. So, for me, it's literally about you. Meeting everybody. And just saying hi, shaking a hand, taking a selfie, I don't know, being silly, looking into the light. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just so much fun. It's just great to meet everybody that helps me do what I do. We, um, we were at the East Coast Comic Con this year and yeah. we had a chance to talk to Danny Trejo and yeah. I know and I know you just released a, a DVD yeah. with him. Yeah. Uh, what was it like working with him? Uh, it was amazing. It's definitely one of those things where you're like, okay, I'm going to cross this off my list in a way. Like, I hope we get to work together again. But it was, it was marvelous. He's hilarious and he's He's, I mean, he's been doing this for so long, so getting to be around him and that energy and, like, feeling his vibe, it's just so, I don't know, it's, it makes, it, it really, what's the, I can't even find the words, it's just inspiring, so cliche, but it's, it just really invigorates you, you know, you're like, Danny, you're killing it, and you're like, how old again, like, in your 50s, you know, no, but he's great, and he's so much fun, so. Right, it's, it's. Because he's inspirational, he makes you perform at a higher level. And isn't that that's what you mean? Yeah, and well, just like also his vigor for being in the industry for that long. Sure. Like I look at somebody like that or, you know, other, other people in the industry that are, you know, older than me in a way. I've been doing this for many years. I'm like, wow, this is great. Like you actually can have a really beautiful career with longevity in this craft as long as you have a great attitude. And he's one of those people, you know, where he's like literally freezing our butts off always had a smile on his face I'm like this is it he, he is an amazing guy yeah. uh, we met him and his son and oh, it just the family aspect you could tell he's a yeah. real human being yeah. Yeah. Um, you have a ton of credits I, I was looking down I saw you in Van Helsing thank you or Stan Helsing yeah, it's so funny yeah, yeah. Um, but you were just recently in Arrow, and you were killed off. How did you How did you feel about working on the show and and uh, having the character be up and then down? Uh, you know, just how life always is, isn't it? But no, being on Arrow was wonderful. It's I mean, it's a show that's literally filmed in my backyard, so it was really cool being able to get up and drive to work and know that I. It shoots like 20 minutes from my home. So it's always been on my list of a show to work on, especially um, with Stephen Amell, who's another Canadian and who's killing it in the industry. Uh, in terms of my character, I didn't know, like we never knew what was going to happen with her. Uh, so even though she is killed off, you never know if she'll ever come back. Isn't that amazing how that works in comic books? Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. We, we really look forward to the, whatever the next endeavor because you, you really do some fantastic stuff between the, uh, the acting in movies and TV and the voiceover. Yes. And yes. you're just becoming, a, I mean, and you're young yet, so you've got many, many years of impressing us with stuff in the future. And next time you're down here, hopefully we'll have a chance to stop by and talk to you. Yeah, well, maybe it'll be for my little pony convention. You never know. <laughs> that is happening, I'm sure. This has been the broadcast. We'll see you. Thanks.
Hey, this is Mark at the Monroe Comic Con 2017. I'm here with the makeup artist, Dan Phillips. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing really well, Mark. Thanks for coming over to my booth. So yeah. tell me, what do you like coming to these cons? I love the fans. I love to see all the people that love the shows I've either worked on, or actually there's a couple of them that like me, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, we this year we've come in and we bring in some new stuff this year. And it's been just amazing. These guys are always an amazing con to come to. And I love coming down to Monroe. It's awesome. Yeah. Now, we were watching you apply the makeup over there to Eugene Clark. Is this the first time you ever applied that makeup? Yeah, it was a kind of, we went through a lot of hoops to get the permission to do that. And, um, you know, it's, it's an iconic makeup. It's on an iconic zombie from Land of the Dead. So it's my first time applying it. Uh, Eugene was amazing. And uh, he is... Glad he didn't jump at me. He um, is just a, a, a great professional guy. So it was amazing to put the makeup on him, and I was totally honored. Yeah. Were there any challenges to applying this makeup? Well, actually, the um, pieces were brought in. I didn't make the pieces. I just applied them. Nora Hewitt, who did an amazing job. She was, I believe, season nine winner from Face Off. She sculpted and made the pieces and sent them with Eugene. I applied them. So Nora, bang up job if you see this. Great job. So, so tell me, what are you working on now? Well, I got some things in the work. I, I, you know, like most Hollywood productions, I can't talk too much about them, but it does involve big creature suits. So there's going to be some stuff in Michigan, filmed in Michigan, in big creature suits. So, Tell me, what was, the, what was your most favorite project to work on? You know, I get asked a lot, and, and so many of my projects are, are my favorite for different reasons. Um, you know, as much as I love the big shows I've done, like Hobbit and Oz the Great and Powerful and so forth, I like the little indie films, too, because that's where I get the most um, freedom to do what I like to do. You know, uh, Hobbit, for example, was such a humongous show that when I did the show, it was very cookie cutter. You know, everything was handed to me. This is how it has to be done. You know, when I'm doing an indie film, it's great to go to Home Depot at 2 in the morning and try to find nuts, bolts, and screws to try to figure out how to do this stuff. And you stand out more in the indie project also with the big movies. You're kind of sort of like a little piece in the puzzle. Yeah, you know, I mean, we all we all um, wouldn't lie. I'm not going to lie to you and say that's not a part of it. But, um, you know, being part of the big indie Hobbit stuff is fun too. Well, thanks a lot, Dan. Thanks for talking to us. Appreciate it. Hey, this is Mark at the Monroe Comic Con, here with Eugene Clark. You may know him as Big Daddy from Land of the Dead. How you doing, Eugene? I'm doing good. Big Daddy from George A. Romero's Land of the Dead. My mistake. What's Sorry. What's happening, baby? Monroe Comic Con 2017. So, so we saw that uh, Dan Phillips applied this cool-looking makeup on you. Yeah. How many times did you have this makeup applied to you on the set of Land of the Dead? I can't remember. I fell asleep. I don't know. Countless times. I just fell asleep. So how did you end up landing the job on the movie? Oh, man, you know, I just walked in there and said, give me the job, dang it. Just give me the job. No. George, uh, we had an improv-type audition process that George put us through. And um, I must have been good enough to, you know, I must have given him something he wanted. Um, Because on set, we tended to, I mean, it was things were scripted, but you had the chance to sort of, improvise or create certain things and you know he, he'd give you that shot so it was cool so so what was it like working with the legend george romero it was great you know he's a really he was, he was a really great guy um perfect gentleman uh i mean he's a creative genius i mean because of him look what we got now the walking dead our zombie this movie this zombie everything is zombie zombie eggs zombie cars zombie wives just zombie because of him 
I'd like, to, I'd like to mention that George passed away just recently. Yes. How, 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 what was going through your mind when you heard of the news? Well, just like many people, um, I saw him maybe four weeks prior to that at um, Ottawa Comic Con, and I, we were going to get together at some point. You know, I wanted to take him and his wife to dinner, and that never happened, so that, that really hurt my heart. That we get so busy, we think that people are going to be around. Sometimes you just got to say, look, how, how, how do we do this? How do we make this work? We both have busy schedules, but if, people, if you think about people in your life, people you love, people you care about, man, you got to do something with them now because they're, when they go, it just hurts. Like, oh, you know. Like, I just want to get back to when you first started shooting Land of the Dead and did it go through your head like, wow, I'm working with the guy that I made Night of the I, Living Dead? I didn't man. even know who he was. You didn't even know no, who he was? No. Wow. I didn't know who he was. So now that you know who he was and you're hearing all this feedback from fans, what is your thoughts on that? You know, I love George for who George is. I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to play a big daddy. Um, but my mom raised me, everybody's right here, you know? But because as a man, he was a great person, then I have to put him up here because he was a good soul, a very creative soul. Um, there are a lot of creative people that have a thought, a dream, and George is an is a example of follow that dream. Just follow your heart and get it done. Um, Gino Crognali did my makeup on the set. He also, he's also a special effects makeup artist on The Walking Dead. He told me, you, you don't know what you're getting into. And he's right. Gino, brother, you were right. I had no idea. Here it is, 12 years later, and hey, I'm paying my ex-wife from Land of the Dead. Two more years, girl, and we're through. Two more years. <laughs> so, so tell me, now that you're, like, you're on the festival circuit or the con circuit, what do you like the most about coming to these cons? Well, I'm not necessarily on the con circuit. I do a few of them. I love the people. This is all about the people, because without them, there is no Walking Dead, there is no Arrow, there is nothing, because if they don't show up, if they don't watch and love the characters, we don't have this. Um, so I love meeting the people. I love seeing the joy in their faces. Um, I try my best to always make sure their experience to me is a great one. There might be the odd person who says, Big Daddy is a blip. I'm sorry, you caught me, I don't know. Maybe you spilled drink on my table, I don't know. Maybe you took photos of me with my, my, with my gut hanging out, I don't know. If I was a to you, I'm sorry, we all to somebody, but my intention is to make sure everybody have a great time. And I think most, most fans will say, you know, Big Daddy's cool. He, if, if, if you really ain't got no money, he does something for you anyway. If you can't afford it, if you got kids, he'll hook you up. So if you read that Big Daddy's a that sucker did something to Big Daddy, but it's not my intention to be, but don't, that's what I mean, but, yeah, but, you know what I'm saying, but usually I'm just a teddy bear, baby, just a sweetheart, but don't put your drinks on my table, damn, you know, that's all I gotta say, 
Anyways, it was a pleasure talking to you, Eugene. Thank you. Have a good one. And let's give us your give us your big zombie, like your most horrible zombie scowl at the camera. Man, that cost you a lot of money. Shit. Come on, come on. Do it with me. Do it with me. Do it with me. It's Richie Rollins from Comic Spear and Sci-Fi, and I'm standing with artist Rob Miller. Uh, how are you doing today, sir? Fantastic. All right. I see you. Uh, you do a lot of things. Is this mainly for like cosplay films? Yeah, we do a lot of stuff for uh, different cosplay uh, costumes. We try to make it um, as affordable as possible because there's a lot of stuff out there that's really expensive, and we try to work with uh, a lot of uh, con safe because with everybody with the uh, different. Um, gun situations they've been having you know we make a lot of foam guns we make foam swords um a lot almost all our stuff actually all our stuff is con safe so everything we do sell you can take it in any kind with no problem i see uh you got a giant groot over there how long did it take you to make that oh well we've got about uh, let's say a little under 100 hours Uh, it's uh just building in our free time and we're able to um put it all together for the show for monroe here all right. What got you started in all this? Actually, what got me started into it, I used to collect toys back when I was nine years old, and um, that's when I started sculpting because the toys that they didn't have and I wanted, so I would just sculpt them myself out of different clays, and I would create my, my own toys, and it just kind of built up into this. And I see you were on uh, Face Off. Yeah, Season 8 of Face Off. Se- yeah. Season 8 of Face Off. How'd that go for you? It was fantastic. Um, I made... Uh, Eight out of 14 episodes. I didn't win technically, but I did come back for the final uh, episode, and our team did win the whole big uh, little spoiler alert here. But <laughs> it's, uh, but uh, yeah, we wound up winning the whole thing. So it was a real good experience. Met a lot of great people. It was probably an experience of a lifetime for me. All right, what's the next step for you guys? What do you, what do you, what do you look to see yourself going in the future? This is more of a hobby to it for us. So I mean, I have a real-time job. I'm a sculptor at Ford Motor Company, so I do sculpt for a living, but I sculpt cars. So. Uh, I'm not, you know, sculpted monsters, but I do get to sculpt. But, um, but yeah, we just do it for fun. It's our, you know, it's our hobby, you know. But we like to bring it out to the fans, and you know, I like to say hi and bring these bigger in life uh, things to the shows for people to sit in. It's everything I do to, for pictures is all free of charge. So you can come out, get your picture taken for free with Groot or the chair, and um, it's, you know, I make a good experience for the, you know, families. So they they can take something back home with them, you know. All right, how many comic cons do you hit a year? Last year I did a lot. This year I kind of kept it down limited because of my new job. Um, I uh, we only did about six this year, but I, I normally I do about fifteen twenty. All right. You got any advice for the young artists out there? Just practice, practice, practice. I mean, don't get discouraged. Um, just stick with it. You know, it, it's not going to happen overnight. I'm forty four years old. And I've been doing it since I've been nine, and I'm still learning. So yeah, just don't don't give up. Don't get frustrated, and just keep practicing because with time you're going to get better and better and better no matter what you do so alrighty well thank you Mr. Miller I appreciate it alright this is Richie Rollins at the Monroe Comic Con hey comic book Casey coming at you from comics beer and sci-fi we are currently in Monroe at the comic book convention I am here with my man Marty right now Marty and I have been discussing the dark secret of comic books things that people don't like to talk about today because it started in 1954 comic code authority boo Marty, why don't you give us a little history lesson on that? The Comics Code Authority uh, was brought into being uh, due to Senate subcommittee hearings, which were talking about regulating comic books and keeping them out of the hands of children back in the 1950s, which they thought was contributing to juvenile delinquency. This was something that Dr. Frederick Wortham thought was important enough to bring to the national attention. 
and the result was comic books were censored after 1954. The company that suffered the most from that was uh, EC Comics, which was published by Bill Gaines. And this is an example of what they tried to do just right on the edge of the code coming in to like get away from the horror and the crime and to start bringing in other things like piracy comics. But even these were censored and later dropped. Um, but church groups also started taking it upon themselves to do public burnings yeah, of some of these books before the Comic Book Authority came into play. Yeah, they had, they had a lot of paper drives where comic books were actually burned and shredded. Uh, this one shows a woman about to be torched on the cover. This one's from 1945. I'm totally buying this one after we're done. This would never fly today. That would just never happen. And then uh, in the 1960s, guys like Robert Crumb started publishing Zap Comics, which were undergrounds. And these also did not carry the Comics Code Authority. There was a very strong movement to preserve freedom of speech and freedom of the press in the underground community. And Robert Crumb was one of the biggest advocates of that, along with Gilbert Shelton and many others of the West Coast comic book publishing uh, at that time period. Stan Lee of Marvel Comics published the Spider-Man drug issues, which were number 96, 97, and 98, which showed Harry Osborn hooked hopelessly on drugs. And those books did not carry the Comics Code approval stamp, but it also changed what was allowed to be published in a comic book because DC followed the following year with the Green Arrow story where Speedy was hooked on drugs. And then Robin. Yes, and those were uh, code approved which showed that people were starting to understand that this, these comic books were actually helping people. They were getting out the message that drugs social are not awareness. good for you. Social awareness, yes. Well, Raising the awareness of those issues. So um, as time gone on, more and more companies started publishing, and this is uh, Hate Number 1 by Peter Bagg. Again, no Comics Code Authority. So the Comics Code Authority now just doesn't exist because the big publishers like Marvel, DC, and Archie done away with it because no one else was following suit with it. But Stan Lee, Stan the Man, was the trendsetter because Stan, I think, was very instrumental in letting Marvel Comics know that it was time to make these books more social awareness ready. And also, Marvel was the first out of all of those uh, big comic book industries that you mentioned to no longer use the comic book authority or comic code authority. They stopped probably in 2001 and DC Comics followed probably about 10 years later. So again, Marvel did something right before DC. Q, that's for you. Anyway, um, also let's talk about the fact that once the larger industries did stop using the Comic Code Authority, that uh, book sales were probably even better, right? Yeah, well better in the, re in the regard that you're not reading censored material any longer and that the writers and artists were not uh, restrained by those restrictions of the Comics Code Authority, which was actually eliminating vampires and uh, werewolves in comics, which, how can you have a, a horror comic without a werewolf or a vampire? You gotta have that. And without the bloodshed and the murder, the mayhem, the killing. Part of the story. I got you. So that was something that a lot of us comic book uh, enthusiasts don't like to talk about because those were dark times in the comic book community. Thank God I wasn't around back then because I would have been a rebel. Times have changed. Oh man, I would have been buying this stuff, hiding it under my bed or something. Yeah. Cool. So these are key books that you have, and you talked about the Spider-Man drug issues and then how the uh, other books came into play. So what else do you have around here that's, aside from Comic Book Code Authority, what about, what's what do you have here that's a rare collectible that's worth a lot of money? Oh, uh, right here, this. 
This is kind of important. Jerry Bales was one of the first guys in the United States of America to document the history of comic books. He did this back in the 1950s and 60s. He's one of the guys, along with Shel Dorf, that helped get the Detroit Triple Fanfare off the ground, which when Shel Dorf moved to California, that became the San Diego Comic Con because Shel Dorf moved out there, but it was born right here in Detroit and then immediately followed in New York City, maybe a month apart, back in 1964. And then they returned in 1965. So this is an example of fanzine publications where people took it upon themselves to get this material out. And this is all hand typed, which today this would all be done on a computer. But this is a very thick book to be hand typed and passed out for the purpose of promoting comics. That's dedication. This is real dedication. Jerry Bales, the biggest fan in the world. Well, I'm glad we had the opportunity to talk about the negative CCA down with them. Thank God they're gone. And what do we have here? This is a very rare Hulk paperback, 1966. Marvel launched an incredible amount of merchandise onto the uh, world market in 1965 and 66. Flooded the world. They were riding on the waves of Batman's uh, TV success, which also produced a ton of material for kids to play with that just didn't exist before. If you wanted a toy pre-1960, you made it. You know what I mean? If you needed a Batman toy or some, or a Spider-Man toy or whatever it was, you would make one. But then they made, started making them in the millions, mass market for kids. So that opened up a lot of opportunities for a lot of toy makers, toy creators. I'm glad you mentioned that because you have a lot of great old retro yeah. toy displays in your booth here. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have stuff here that reminds me of uh, right. This some of this the stuff. Some of this stuff is before my time, before my childhood. But some of it was right on point. I remember commercials. I couldn't get this stuff, but I saw it on TV. Right. But, but Marty, I appreciate your time on this. Thank you for taking the time to show us and educate us on this. Again, this is KP, Comic Book Casey coming at you from Comic Beer and Sci-Fi in Monroe at the Comic Con in Monroe, Michigan, our own backyard. <laughs>